Welcome to Bethel Cleveland's Sermon of the Week. We hope you enjoy today's message. For more information on this podcast or how to get connected, go to BethelCleveland.com. Thank you so much. Wow, I feel the presence of the Lord Jesus. And there's nothing more beautiful or powerful. I want to say that again, there's nothing more beautiful or powerful than the presence of God. And the presence of God is none other than the third person of the Trinity, the Holy Spirit. And He has been given to us as a gift so that everything that we are called to do, everything that we will face, will bow, every impossibility will fall because of His glorious power at work in us, upon us, and around us. There's not one aspect of the Christian life that you are called to live out without being, without being empowered by the Spirit of God. And the Spirit of God, He isn't an addition. He isn't a special angel. He is the very presence of the Father and the Son. In the Bible, the Holy Spirit is called the Spirit of the Father as well as the Spirit of Jesus. Wow. You know, God doesn't hand you a tool to to face the hardship in your life. He doesn't hand you a tool to overcome the struggles. He hands you Himself. You know, we, we wanna be equipped in the kingdom while we get equipped in the kingdom by receiving the fullness of God. poured out for us. Wow, wow, wow. Amen. It is so exciting to be with you. My name is Haley. I have an accent. It's South African. Praise God, I still have it because I've been in America for nearly 15 years. Um, Wow, yeah, 15 years is a long time. It's nearly half my life now. Um, Well, I'm getting older, so maybe not quite half my life, but that's okay. We're working on it. Um, I wanted to show you a couple pictures real quick of my family. I have three beautiful children and a stud husband right there. Um, they're actually quite small there. Uh, that's my son, Aiden. It's my daughter, Liberty June. We call her Lula's. And that is Ash, my, uh, just Ash, not Asher, just Ash, our littlest one. And that's my family. That's actually in my parents' garden in South Africa. Um, They're a little bit bigger now. My oldest is seven, my middle one's five, and my baby's two. So they're in Redding, California, praying for you and thinking about you. I don't come here without being sent by my family. And never in my wildest dreams that I think I'd be traveling the world and preaching the gospel. But um, here I am, especially at this age, I thought if God was gonna do something like this with my life, if, which I was like, well, maybe not, you know. Uh, He'd probably do it when I was old and uh, didn't have a ton of responsibilities like cooking, cleaning, and changing diapers. But here we are, there they are, so um, you can take it down. Thank you so much. That's my family. And um, we are, it, I, I am not called as an individual, we are called. My family is called, uh, we're called to one thing. We're called to seeing revival. We're called to seeing the presence of God crash into the church and revive and awaken her to the reality of what Jesus did on the cross and the power that is in jars of clay. And um, that is what I live for, it's what I burn for. It's what I will do for all of my days and I don't care if I do it on a stage or in the dirt. Um, Since I was a little girl, I believed that, um, that I was made to see Jesus get His reward. And um, 
And I've got good news for you that it's not just for one person or a special person, it is for all of us. And the theme that you guys are following for this year is to flourish, to be nourished by God so that you flourish. And I think the, the message sometimes around us is counter that message. It's that you're gonna struggle and you're gonna strive and life's gonna get hard and you just need to make it. Uh, my pastor, one of our pastors at, I call him my pastor because he hired me when I was 24 and clueless. Who hires a 24-year-old to pastor people? Like, I don't know. Um, I went to school of ministry at Bethel in 2008 and I spent all my savings. I was a hairstylist in Port Elizabeth, South Africa. That's what I was and that's what I was doing. And um, I was preaching the gospel to any client that would listen at a 20 and the Lord called me to come to Bethel School of Supernatural Ministry. Let's just be serious. I didn't know anything about the supernatural ministry. I was from a Methodist church. I'd experienced the crashing in of the Holy Spirit by accident a few times and I liked it, um, but I knew very little of it. Does that make sense? Like I, I experienced the work of the Holy Spirit. I always tell people I was a prophet that was raised in the wild. Um, like I, no one was teaching us about the prophetic gift or what it was, but I was experiencing it from a very young age. From the age of about three, I remember the first time the Lord speaking to me. And, um, you know, in my little Methodist church, I'd lay hands on people in my, you know, preteen days and I would be praying for them. And afterwards they'd be like, how did you know that about me? And I'd be like, I don't know. Doesn't everyone know that about you? Like, just kind of look that kind of way, you know, like... <laughs> I didn't understand that the Holy Spirit was working in my life, and, but I was hungry because I'd seen moments where God had crashed in. Um, my parents in their youth group had experienced the move of the Holy Spirit and it had given them this hunger for the work of God. And so anytime there's kind of like charismatic conferences happening, we'd like, you know, like on the, like Friday, Saturday, we're charismatics and Sundays, we're back to like being at our Methodist church, which I, P.S. I love my church. I still go back and preach when I go home and I've got an amazing relationship with them and they are rocking and rolling um, in the power of the Holy Spirit. But, uh, you know, we would go off to these, I remember once these ladies were wearing like these white dresses with swords at this one conference. And they're like, and we break the devil's yoke and we'll break the, and I remember I was like seven thinking, well, we're cracking eggs in church. That's bizarre, but okay. And for the next week I'd run around and I break the devil's yoke. And I, the only yoke I knew was an egg. So I didn't really understand anything else, but <laughs> counts though, eggs, weight, whatever, we'll break it. Um, but when I came to school, I was awoken to this reality. Woo, let me push this back because I'm gonna walk and let's not fall off the podium. Uh, I was awoken to this reality that my life mattered. And um, going to School of Supernatural Ministry, I began to realise that, uh, yeah, I wanted to do things for God, but more than anything, God had done something for me that, that if I could give my life to it, it could cause me to do things that I couldn't dream, think, or imagine. That, that God had done something so powerful and so profound for my life that I was charged, if I would give my life to Him, that He would take a hairdresser from South Africa and He would do something that she could never do in her striving or her trying or in her best effort. And... um. 
the, the honest truth is, is I got hired on staff at 24 and I began, it's nothing like, you know, there's nothing like a new season to evoke or uncover some things that have been kind of lying dormant in your heart. You know, if any of you have ever gardened, you go to your vegetable garden, maybe, you know, early spring after it's no, no longer gonna freeze and kill your seeds, right? And you go plant seeds and you cover over them. Even if you get brand new soil from Home Depot or Lowe's, wherever you, I don't know if that's what you have in Ohio, but that's what we've got in California. Wherever you go, maybe Meyer has soil, I don't know, but you go get some brand new soil. The minute you water that soil, you know that your vegetables are gonna grow, but what else is gonna grow? Weeds. Doesn't matter if it's new soil or old soil. Why? Because there are seeds lying dormant in that soil that start to grow when you water it and expose it to sun. And for me, I get hired in my dream job to be part of revival ministry, right? I'm called a revival group pastor. I'm pastoring people that are way older than me. My only training was uh, my boss, Gabe, who's now just my friend, but he, I remember saying, so what do you want me to do? And he's like, I don't know, go meet with people. I was like, about what? And I remember, I'm 24. I've got 60 something students that are in my care. And he goes, whatever they wanna talk about. I'm like, well, <laughs> okay. And um, what started happening was I, I got into working in you know, revival culture and outpouring of the Spirit. You're Bethel, we're Bethel, we're all Bethel, right? So you know what this is all about. It's not your first message on revival and the power of God. But what started growing in me was this awareness of I didn't know how to be so that I could do the right thing. And I started comparing myself to other pastors being like, okay, so maybe there was one that was like really pastoral and she had like a culture of celebration in a group. I'm like, maybe that's what I should do. I should be culture of celebration. And, and then I found like it didn't quite stick so well with me. And then there was another guy called Chris Cruz. And I don't know if you ever had Chris here, but Chris was super intense and passionate and fiery. And I'm like, I'm kind of fiery and passionate. So maybe I should be that. And then I tried that and, and that didn't super work. Like, and I was like, maybe I'm a mix of both. And, and um, through this journey of growing, I began to realise how much I was relying on my own strength to accomplish the work of God in my life. And in January of 2020, I had a life changing, and I'll talk about it a little bit more tonight and a, and a vision that I had, but I had a life changing encounter with the Holy Spirit. Like, uh, too many people use the word life-changing or radical nowadays, so it sounds kind of normal. But like I celebrate January 14th of 2020 like it's my birthday uh, with the Lord because it changed everything for me. It was the day that the Lord dealt with the fear of man in my life. And for six weeks, I shook violently. And when I say violently, I mean violently. Dee Dee is sitting over there. She can tell you, I, I sweat through all of my clothes for six weeks because of how uh, much power of God was, was flowing through my body. I couldn't talk. Anytime people asked me what was happening, I would just weep. I canceled all of my meetings for the first time in pastoring people. And I had started pastoring in 2011. So it was the first time in nine years. I canceled days of meetings simply because I had one option and was to yield to what God was doing in me. But in this wild encounter, and I'm so grateful for the breaking of the fear of man, but if I actually go to the core of what God did in me, was He introduced me to the reality, the availability, and to the power of the Holy Spirit. And I became uh, 
obsessed is maybe a strong word, but it probably feels like a real word. Absolutely consumed with pursuing who the person of the Holy Spirit is and what He does for us. And I used to, you know, I used to wake my husband up sometimes as he's falling asleep reading 1 Corinthians. And I've read 1 Corinthians hundreds of times. I've been saved since I was three. So when I gave my heart to Jesus, like I've read 1 Corinthians hundreds of times and I'm shaking him going, babe, it's all by the Spirit. Have you read this? And he's like, yes, babe, I've read it. I'm like, no, baby, no, you don't understand. Every gift is by the Spirit. And, and you know, we, we teach about how to steward the gift of prophecy, but let us not forget that the gift of prophecy is given by one Spirit. The gift of discernment, you know, we can get puffed up in our gifts, but our gifts are meant to flow, fully yielded to the power of the Spirit. Your gifts are without repentance. They, they are irrevocable, Romans eleven twenty nine, which means you can actually operate in gifts given to you by God without dependence on God. They, they won't have eternal fruit, but they will have some kind of influence. You, that's why you see uh, cool people, you know, like famous people and leaders and politicians. The gift of leadership is a real gift given by God, but you can choose who influences that gift. You know, some of the, the things we need to be careful of is that we, we measure our intimacy with God by how much of a gift is operating, but gifts aren't given with condition. If I give Jay a, a PS5 for Christmas, but I say, okay, but you gotta play it on Wednesday, Fridays, and Sundays at 4 p.m. And, and then at 2 a.m., I need you to be playing that PS5 and this is the only game you can play. What kind of gift is that? If I give him a, a brand new piano, but listen, you have to practice every day, twice a day for 30 minutes a day. What kind of gift is that? That's not a gift. That comes with conditions. Gifts aren't rewards. Gifts are given according to the purpose and gifts can be increased according to stewardship, but they are not a mark of the Lord flowing through your life and intimacy with Him. Are you with me? And I think sometimes, you know, when we're talking about flourishing in the Lord, I think sometimes we lose before we even start. Because we have decided what is valuable, who is valuable, what gifts are good, and I maybe have them or I don't. Comparison, you either win or lose. There's no middle ground. But God didn't create you like any other person around you. He created you uniquely and He created you with great intention. And I wanna read this passage to you. Um, you can open your Bibles if you have them in sec to 2 Corinthians. And we're gonna kind of jump around the first, the first couple chapters of 2, 3, and 4 because I want to make a point. Can you tell? <laughs> oh, Jesus, we love you. Oh, thanks, God. Okay, let's start at, hmm, verse 15. I can feel if I just stop and give too much affection to the Lord, I'm out. So I'm trying to stay with it for just a little bit. Oh, before I go there, there are two wonderful humans on the front named Amy and Jonah. Would you stand up and wave for them, please? Amy and Jonah are third years in our School of Supernatural Ministry. 
and they are serving me uh, for this year and traveling with me. And so they're here when ministry time comes. They'll be moving around the room. They are the most wonderful, joy-filled, servant-hearted, powerful uh, humans. And they're such a gift to me. And they just come to serve and to serve the church. When I walked in, their, their smiles and just being in the bride of Christ outside of the church that we are, just the delight that they take in connecting with the body is just so beautiful and really the mark of great ministry that we love people. If we love God, we're gonna love people. And so they're here to serve with me. Anyway, okay, so First Corinthians, first, 2 Corinthians 2, verse 15. Let's start at verse 14, actually. It's a lovely entrance. But thanks be to God who always leads us in triumph in Christ and manifests through us the sweet aroma of the knowledge of Him in every place. For we are a fragrance of Christ to God amongst those being saved and amongst those who are perishing. To the one, uh, an aroma from death to death, to the other, aroma from life to life. And who is adequate for these things? We're gonna pause there. So here it's saying that your life in Christ and Christ in you is a sweet aroma to God and an aroma to the saved and the unsaved. Okay, keep, just follow on with me. So then chapter three, verse one, are we beginning to commend ourselves again or do we need as some letters of commendation to, to you or from you? You are our letter written in our hearts, known and read by all men, being manifested that you are a letter of Christ, cared for us, written not with ink, but with the spirit of the living God, not on tablets of stone, but on the tablets of human hearts. Such confidence we have through Christ towards you. Not that we are adequate in ourselves to consider anything is coming from ourselves, but our adequacy is from God, who also made us adequate as servants of a new covenant, not of the letter, but of the Spirit, for the letter kills, but the Spirit gives life. Thank you, God, for your word. Okay, now we're gonna keep going. You, you, you staying with me? Sometimes the Bible should be read in big chunks. And I know that you guys have been talking about the power of the Word of God. I don't want us to separate the power of the Spirit from the power of the Word. The power of the Spirit and the power of the Word go hand in hand. Bill Johnson says that the only book where the author shows up when you read it is the Bible. Often we think to grieve the Spirit is to quench His flow, which is true. When we quench the Spirit or we reject His work in our life, we, we grieve and quench Him. But we also can quench the flow and the activity of the Spirit when we do not recognise that He is the one who uttered the words in this book. The revelatory Word of God and the Logos Word of God, the Logos Word, which is the written Word of God, and the revelatory, which is the Rhema Word of God, are not separate. They are found in one who is the Word, who became flesh and dwelt among us, and they do not contradict one another. Hebrews 4.12, the Word of God is living and active, sharper than a two-edged sword, separating soul from spirit, joint from marrow. If you wanna discern where God is and where, where your soul is, just go, just go let the Word read you while you read it. The Spirit of God is living and active upon the Word and upon our lives, and there is no separation. <laughs> Amen, okay, we keep going. I get excited. You know, a lot of people there, I had an encounter that changed my life and that encounter made me fall in love with the Word of God. 
That encounter made me so hungry to know God, I became hungry for the letters He wrote me so that I could understand His nature. Every single part, every single verse, every single chapter has a revelation of the nature of who God is. Often we read the Word trying to find out who we are, but the Word first and foremost reveals who God is. And as we reveal who God is, we find out who we are. For we are made in His image. Do you know why so many people want to do personality tests? Because they don't know themselves. Because they didn't make themselves. You know that you don't actually know you that well? You are discovering you each day. And there's a new part that pops out sometimes. You're like, wow, what was that? <laughs> kind of wish that didn't come out of me. Nothing like marriage to make something pop out of you that you don't want to see. <laughs> marriage, children, challenges. Yeah, real, right? Because you weren't made, you weren't, you weren't created by yourself. You were fashioned and designed with intention. Ooh-wee. Okay, let's keep going. Okay, chapter three, verse 10. For indeed, what had glory in this case has no glory because of the glory that surpasses it. For if that which fades, so we're talking about the glory of the law of Moses right now, which fades away. For if that which fades away was with glory, much more that which remains is in glory. Therefore, having such a deep hope, we use um, great boldness in our speech and are not like Moses who put a veil over his face so that the sons of Israel would not look intently at the end of what was fading away. But their minds were hardened for until this very day at the reading of the old covenant, the same veil remains unlifted because it is removed in Christ. And then I'm just sorry, just before time, verse 17, now where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is liberty. But we all with unveiled faces beholding as a mirror, the glory of the Lord are being transformed into the same image from glory to glory, just as from the Lord, the Spirit. Therefore, four, verse one, therefore, since we have the ministry, this ministry, as we received mercy, do not lose heart. And then it goes on to talk about, we have these treasures in jars of clay, which is the glory of God manifest. Why am I reading this to you today? I'm reading this to you today because I want you to know, because God wants you to know, that your inheritance is the manifestation of His glory in your life. Yes. Ephesians 1 Verse 18 to 20, I could literally just, I could just read the Bible and not preach today. Over and over again, I could just tell you, Ephesians 1 says that, I pray that you, that the spirit of wisdom and revelation, who is the Holy Spirit, would enlighten you so that you would know your glorious inheritance in Christ Jesus, which is incomparably great power for those who believe. And then he goes on to describe, it is the same glory that raised Christ from the dead and seated Him in heavenly places that lives and dwells in you and is what belongs to you you. It is offensive to think that God's glory longs to be displayed in flesh. It offends me. Do you know that it offends me? I, I, I realized in this encounter that I had that I was crying out for God to fill a room when He wanted to fill me. Because it was easy to ask for God to fill a building that had no sin, that had no failure, that had no insecurity, that had no fear. 
than it was for, for, for myself to believe that the Spirit of God, the omniscient one, the holy, the glorious, the righteous, the all-powerful, the creator of heaven and earth, the beginning and the end, the Alpha and Omega, the healer, the Messiah, the victory, the hope, the one who is faith would want to live in me. Why me? Does he know? Does he know how much I question myself? Does he know? That my passion sometimes is fear? Does He know that sometimes I talk when I'm nervous too much? Does He know that I don't know how to be anything but myself? I tried, I tried to be the encouraging lady. I tried to be the fiery preacher. I tried and then all I found was I was just me. I used to apologise for my intensity because I always thought it was too much. And then I would apologise for my emotion because I thought it meant I was not enough. I was trying to be the perfect balance of what I thought people wanted when all along God just wanted me. Because this is the mystery revealed to the Gentiles. Colossians 1:27. Christ in you. Not Christ in the evangelist, not Christ in the apostle, not Christ in the man that looks like he's got it all together, not Christ in the woman that looks like she's at the pinnacle of her ministry. No, Christ in believers is the hope of glory. It is the most undoing, frustrating revelation that I cannot receive through knowledge. I have to receive it by the Spirit. Man-made religion will make sense to man. But a God-breathed faith will have to be apprehended by His Spirit. This morning when we were worshipping, when you, a bunch of you up front, I saw this picture of people running to the front. And as they lay down, they became jaws and these jaws cracked open and they broke at the feet of Jesus and oil started spilling out. And I felt the Lord start telling me, Haley, there is a revival brewing. There is a move of my spirit brewing in the house. There is a hunger that is being stirred in my people and I am awakening them to the reality of me in them. <laughs> the greatest thing I ever discovered was that I am not enough. I was trying to be enough so much in my life. And then when I realised I don't have to be enough, He is enough and He thinks I am just right for Him. He doesn't apologise for how He made me. He loves it. You know, I think if I was to author this story when Jesus came, Jesus was crucified, right? So Adam and Eve in the garden, the tree, right? Serpent, snake, eat the fruit, that moment, you know? They're the, the, like Adam and Eve proverbially are holding the keys of authority to subdue the earth. That was their, do you know that pre-sin, their role was still to subdue the earth and still to steward. It wasn't just gonna happen. They were gonna, it just wasn't gonna happen hard. They were gonna pick fruit and cultivate things, but it wasn't gonna be tough and treacherous. There's no weeds or pests or anything. It was just gonna be beautiful and flourishing. That is a great word right there. Flourishing. That was the intent the whole time. A lot of us, we think that at the end, when, when we are sanctified, set free, saved by the Lord, that there's gonna be nothing for us to do. Can I tell you, salvation is just the beginning of the Christian life. 
Salvation is the inception of the new creation that is now called to do what He was called to do all along, which is to subdue the earth and reveal the glory and the intention of God to a world that needs to know that there is a kingdom available now and there is a kingdom coming. That there is a king on the throne. He has ascended and he is seated high above it all. And here we are hidden in him right now as we sit in this place. Ooh. And anyway, so in this moment in the garden, Adam and Eve carrying the keys of authority, the, the moment with the fruit part, you know that part where we all kind of went downhill from there? They handed the keys of authority back to the enemy. And the old covenant is full of what happens when God and people are disconnected and the enemy has a right to reign. But Jesus, in His death, He descends down into the pit and He grabs hold of the keys back from the enemy because He has now broken the power of sin as a pure sacrifice. Now, if I wrote that story, if I was Jesus holding those keys, I would have been like, peace out, churchies, I'm done. I don't know what to do with you. You failed again. You missed me, my friends, they betrayed me. They couldn't even stand by my side. They denied me. Listen, guys, this is a bit too tough. I'm gonna take these keys back to the Father. We're gonna let you guys do your thing. A little judges moment right now. We'll just have judges happen right here. You guys can finish. We'll just come up with a new creation. And then we'll, no. Jesus hands the keys of authority woo, back to the very people that crucified Him. Why? Because it was redemption for all. And He says, now anyone in Christ has all authority. All authority has been given to you. Go and make disciples of all nations. I'm gonna end with this and we're gonna pray. Uh, could the, is, is the keys player in the house? Praise God, hello. What's your name, sir? Joseph, thank you for serving. You're a gift. Your guys' worship team is such a gift. It is a treat to have such skilled musicians, but most of all, laid down lovers of Jesus serving you. Thank you for serving us, worship team. I wanna end with this. I've got so much more I want to say. I'm back tonight. Um, I had an amazing third year. He's a spiritual son of mine come in, he was frustrated. And uh, he was trying not to be frustrated because he didn't want to look prideful, but he was frustrated. And I said, buddy, you got to risk sounding a little prideful knowing that I don't think you're a prideful man. But you got to be honest. If, if you're going to let leaders shape your life, you got to at least tell them what you're thinking. And um, I'm like, I love you. I believe in you. Just tell me what's going on. I might, I might correct you, but I think you're amazing. So anyway, he He's like, he's a worshiper. He's got his masters in jazz piano. So he's a really gifted musician. And he's like, are we ever going to experience God's glory in worship like we're meant to? And I'm like, what, what do you mean? He's like, I just, I get so frustrated. He goes, and I'm gonna sound prideful, but he's like, sometimes I sit there and I'm like, and I can tell like our insecurities get in the way or our fears getting in the way. Or, and I'm like, and we're just getting close to something. And then someone does something, they sing when they should be quiet. Or, you know, he's just navigating through this. And we're talking back and forth for about 40 minutes. And at the end, I said, you know, B, God's glory is never gonna show up without people, I don't think. I was like, and that bothers me a little bit, but I don't think God wants to show up separate from His kids. God wrote a story and it's not the story we wrote. You see, it's not about us getting God into our story. It's about us getting into God's story. Our stories are full of where we lack. They're full of striving. They're full of trying. But in God's story, 
in God's story, His Spirit is there as our seal of our inheritance. The Holy Spirit, the beauty of God is the glory of God. The Holy Spirit made manifest is His beauty and He wants to live and dwell in you. And He wants to make Himself known through your flesh. Do you know that God doesn't hate your flesh? He doesn't love our carnality, our sin, but our flesh redeemed is the resting place of His Spirit. God isn't looking for a visitation. He wants a holy habitation. He wants a home. He wants a place that says, you know what? I might not have what it takes. I might not be a powerful preacher. I might not know how to sing. I might not have all the words and I might not know my Bible as well as Jay, but you know what? I love God and I'm gonna seek Him and I'm gonna give my life to Him. And I'm gonna say, God, if you want a life, you can have this one. If you want some hands, you can have these ones. If you want a voice, you can have my voice. I used to bargain with God, like God, I just if I don't have to talk, then it will be fine. And, and the Lord said, but Haley, if you're my mouthpiece, who will speak for me if you won't? Who am I to deny the King of glory a home? I'm prophesying now there is a move of God. And it isn't coming, it has begun. It's ankle deep right now and it is brewing. And some of you, it's stirring you and you don't fully understand it, but you feel it. And it is not one that will be grasped simply through knowledge, but it will be grasped through surrender and yielding, not to our story, but to His story. And His story is the God of the universe finds his resting place in men. And that means we get to say, God, my weakness, here it is. I don't, I don't know how to do this stuff. And he goes, my, your weakness is the resting place of my power. Because our weakness doesn't know how to fight. Our strength is sometimes the most challenging place for God to move because our strength knows how to exert itself but our weakness does not. But we don't have to wait to get to the end of our rope. We can surrender now. And we can surrender because His Spirit is available and His Spirit knows yieldedness. The move of the Trinity is so beautiful. It is like a beautiful yielded dance, Son yielding to Father and Spirit to the Son. And each work in full union and communion, empowering the work that has been orchestrated by God. If you don't know how to surrender, ask the Holy Spirit to help you. If you don't have faith today, I've got great news for you. The Holy Spirit gives the gift of faith. If you don't have hope in yourself, I've got better news for you. There is a God that hopes in you. He made no mistakes when He chose the colour of your hair, the shape of your eyes, the size of your personality or your quirky sense of humour. He doesn't push it aside waiting for you to become better. He invites you as you are and said, come to me, all who are weary and heavy burdened and I will give you rest. Come and wait upon me and I will lift you up on eagle's wings. 
Maybe you just had a fight with your spouse this morning and you're walking in church today and you feel inadequate. I have great news for you. There is the blood of Jesus that pays for every sin. We can come in repentance and repentance isn't shame. Repentance is conviction, which reminds me I was paid by with a price. I was purchased of God. I am His possession and I can bring myself as I am and He will do a work in me and He will finish it because He has started it. Church, are you with me? There is a revelation of who God is for you and in you that He is gonna reveal to you in this season and you are gonna rise up and discover that it is not by might nor by power, but by His Spirit. It's not by your left hand or your right hand, but it's by His Spirit. It's not by the strength of your might or the power of your declaration, but your yieldedness to His Spirit. Why don't you stand? I'm gonna pray. Thank You, Holy Spirit. Thank You, Jesus. You know, the Holy Spirit is He's really sensitive to our invitation. Because His function is to be available to you. The person that you're most vulnerable to is the person you're most available to. And the function of the Spirit is full availability. And so He he must be invited. He wants to be invited. So if you're willing to put your hands out in front of you or on your heart or whatever feels like an invitation and if you're uncomfortable, that's okay. You just do what feels okay. But make a step forward today towards the Holy Spirit. I do. And will you pray the prayer? I've come, Holy Spirit. Say it out loud with me. Say, come, Holy Spirit. Say it again. Come, Holy Spirit. Come, Holy Spirit. Come, Holy Spirit. Spirit of the living God, would you fall afresh? Spirit of the living God, we open the gates of our lives and we say, King of glory, come in. Who is this King of glory? The Lord God strong and mighty. The Lord God mighty in battle. Holy Spirit, we invite your oil. We invite your fire. We invite your wind. And we say, come and do what only you can do. Jesus, precious Son of God, we receive the fullness of your blood and what you purchased. And we step in today to the truth that we have received your Spirit. And we just declare over every part of us that it is not by might nor by power, but by your Spirit. And we must have You. We must have You. We need You. We are dependent on You, God. We don't want to live the Christian life dependent on our own own might, but we want to live it dependent on the power of Your Spirit. Would You lead us? Would You guide us? And would You awaken us to the availability of God? God, I pray for a revelation of what it means to be earthen vessels filled with Your glory. And God, we will spend our lives on You. 
Right now I tell fear and insecurity and pride to bow at the name of Jesus. You are a liar and not a good friend. And we say no longer will we live in disconnection. Holy Spirit, fill every area of our lives with Your love, with Your power and with Your strength. We humble ourselves before You and we say, come Holy Spirit. I just wanna speak this over you and I know I need to hand it off. There is one cry that the Spirit and the Bride make together and it is come Lord Jesus. There is an outpouring of the Spirit that is coming for us, that is gonna awaken us to the majesty, the beauty and the victory of Jesus like we have never seen before. And the holy fire that is coming on this house, that is consecrating you, that is removing weight. Hebrews 12 said, throw off every sin and encumbrance, that's sin and weight. Throw off any weight or sin that holds you back from running the race. That is what God is coming to do. He is shaking all that is shakable to leave that which is eternal. And you will behold the beauty and the majesty of Jesus in a way that we have never seen before. It is coming. There is a wave of the Spirit that is gonna usher the bride in to the cry of come Lord Jesus and we are going to behold Him. And so Holy Spirit, we say yes. We welcome You, Spirit of God. We cannot and will not do it on our own. We need You. Heal our marriages, heal our homes, heal our hearts. Oh, heal the trauma, heal the doubt. Bring forth in this body faith and hunger that could only be marked by a move of your Spirit, God. In Jesus' Name. Thank you for listening to our Sermon of the Week. You can help us reach others by investing today at BethelCleveland.com slash give.